Not everybody wants. Y'all quiet down. Quiet down. The lame man walked. The lame man walked. That's right. Paul and Barnabas were where? Where were Paul and Barnabas at? Listed up in Antioch. That's right. They ended up in Antioch. Well, you don't have to know the names of the towns, but they were just out on a missionary journey, right? They were out on their missionary journey. They had set up all the churches in each city, persecuted in each city, run out of each city. They went back home to Antioch, and so we find them now back at their home church. Remember we said Paul and Barnabas were not just, you know, we often think of them as missionaries just out walking around who don't really have a home church or whatever. That's not the case. Their home church was in Antioch. Uh, Syrian Antioch to be specific and uh, so they're back home they're back doing their thing teaching and fellowshipping with the brethren and all those things and in chapter 15 chapter 15 is a pivotal chapter in the book of Acts this is where this is I'll give you an overview because we may not get to it all uh, what happens is there's a doctrinal controversy where the Jewish Jewish Christians that may or may not be Christians there's the debate about that but some believers they are called believers in the chapter uh, but they're Jewish they come preaching in Antioch that say and they start saying the same thing that we saw in Galatians when we went through that you can believe in Jesus and he's the Messiah and you need to have faith in him but you also need to be circumcised and you also need to follow the law of Moses. Basically what they were saying was in order to be a Christian you have to be a Jew first. And so what we're going to see is the church meets together in Jerusalem. It's called the Jerusalem Council. Uh, the apostles, the elders of Jerusalem, uh, Paul and Barnabas go down there and they all meet together to decide who's right and who's wrong. Uh, have you ever heard someone at the end of this chapter, Paul and Barnabas are going to get into a fight and split up about Timothy. Remember we told you Timothy left them, you know, and, and, and not John Timothy, Mark. John Mark, excuse me. I'm sorry. Timothy joins them in, in, in chapter 17. That's, I'm already thinking ahead. Uh, John Mark left them and uh, they're going to have a fight. But have you ever heard somebody say, well, we just need to get back to the old first century church? Well, you know, well, in the first century church, they was having church beatings. They was having fights and arguments just like we do today. So so uh, it was not that much different. But let's start at reading, and we're going to find Paul and Barnabas teaching and uh, ministering and fellowshipping in their congregation. And it says, in verse 1, it says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren. Now this may or may not be right as Paul and Barnabas were returning from their, their missionary journey. And they said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. You see what they were saying now remember these are gentiles these are not jewish people and so they were probably really confused i mean these were jerusalem people that were coming it says they came from they came from uh, from judea they ought to know what they're talking about. I mean, they have the Old Testament. They probably could read Hebrew. They probably had copies of the Old Testament. And the, Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. So when these guys came teaching, they came teaching like, hey, we're from Jerusalem. You know, I know y'all, we're glad that y'all are here and everything, but we're, we're the ones that have the, we, we, we have the know-how. We have the, we, we know what we're talking about. And the Gentiles in this church in Antioch were probably very confused, like, Paul and Barnabas never told us anything about this. We've never heard any. I mean, we thought just by trusting in Jesus, the Messiah, that we would brought into the kingdom of God, we're saved. And so these guys came teaching you have to be circumcised, you have to keep the law of Moses. Now, 
The law of Moses here, when we talk about it in chapter 15, it's not just going to be... When you think of the law of Moses, you're thinking of thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not... We're not really talking about that. The New Testament tells us over and over again that the those moral laws are still in force. I think we talked about it a little bit before. You know, it's still sin to kill somebody, still sin to commit adultery, still sin to covet and blaspheme. And all those things, are they're still in effect today just as they were back then. When he's talking about keeping the elements of the law of Moses and they tie that to circumcision what we're talking about is the we're talking about the the ceremonial aspects of the law you have to continue to sacrifice you have to continue to do the festivals you have to continue to do the washings you have to do the circumcision which was the sign of the covenant you have to basically they were saying you have to be Jewish in order to be saved okay you can believe in Jesus they weren't coming and saying Jesus is not the Messiah They were saying Jesus is the Messiah and he is the way, the truth, and the life. But in order for Jesus to be your Messiah, you have to convert to Judaism. Let me kind of, let me flesh it out just a little bit in case you don't understand. Jesus, the, the apostles were preaching as we saw the sermons in Acts so far. You saw Peter preach. We've heard Paul's pre- preaching. We heard Philip preaching. Uh, all the apostles preached that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. He was the fulfillment of what God promised Abraham. He was the fulfillment of Isaac, Jacob. He's the fulfillment of all the promises that God has made in the Old Testament. And what these Jewish believers were saying, they may or may not be believers. I'm keep using that term i don't mean to what these jews were saying were uh they were saying that now since jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant he is the fulfillment of the promises to abraham you have to follow the covenant made with abraham and be jewish in order to be christian does that make sense basically more than likely in your lifetime nobody's ever going to come and say hey you need to be jewish in order to be christian nobody's ever going to come and try to get you to sacrifice an animal or keep the festival although now today there are there is a movement out there that says you know if you want to be truly spiritual truly godly you need to keep these jewish festivals that they kept and you need to that's all it's all nonsense it's all nonsense that's like me going backward in time and those things pointed to who jesus is and now that I have Jesus, I'm going to go back and do the shadows of the of what came before. So they never apostles never preached that, never believed that. And we're going to see in this chapter here that they're finally going to decide that that's not true. That you all you need is Christ, and they're they're going to do some other things. And we're gonna we're going to look at those here. They're kind of spitting on the crucifixion as well. Tram, yeah, trampling the blood of trampling the blood. Yeah, I mean it's clearly. Yeah. And the New Testament specifically says we're released from that. So the book of Hebrews is clear. We don't go back to the shadows of the Old Testament ceremonies and all that kind of stuff. So I I ran into one this week, and I know you're going to meet them too. The people that say, well, you know... uh, I don't want to get into that. I really don't. 
Well, it's not that. It's not that I, don't, it's, I, just, I just won't have time. It's, you'll run into people that say, well, if you believe this law in Leviticus is true, then you have to take all the laws in Leviticus. You know, you can't shave your beard or wear clothing. That, and that shows, when someone says that to me, when someone says, well, do you believe that you can eat shellfish? What that tells, well, basically what they're saying is, I don't know how to read my Bible correctly. I don't, I've never read the whole Bible because in the New Testament, we, we looked at Acts chapter 10. Specifically, God himself said, don't worry about them food laws anymore. He told Peter, kill and eat, you know, knock yourself out, eat whatever you want to. And uh, he also said, uh, both Peter and Paul said in their epistles, I think it's Paul in Romans 13, I'm going to think. And Peter, I'm going to say 1 Peter 2. It might be 2 Peter 2. I get them mixed up. But he says that we are to be subject to the governments that we are under. So where Leviticus says if you man commits adultery, a woman commits adultery, she, that we should take her out and, be st- and stone her to death, that would be against the law today, right? So Peter and Paul both tell us that we are to obey our laws that we're under not the laws of the theocratic Jewish community way back in the days of Moses. Everybody understand that? So both the civil law, which is the punishments, the stoning people and all that, and the ceremonial law, which is all the sacrifices and the eating foods that make you unclean, both of those have been fulfilled in Christ. And both of those, we are told that in the New Testament specifically, that they are fulfilled in Christ. And so when someone brings that up, that, that lets me know that they've not read the Bible because what they're doing is they're picking and choosing things from the Old Testament, ignoring what the New Testament apostles told us about the Old Testament law. Make sense? Y'all with me? Okay. And so nobody's ever going to come and say, hey, you need to be circumcised in order to be saved. Nobody's ever going to come and do that probably to you. But they will tell you that you have to add some form of work to be saved, Right. Some people will say, well, you have to add baptism. Some people will say you have to add, I don't know, good works, whatever. Some people are going to come to you the same way these Jewish people came to the church in Antioch. And they're going to say, you got to believe in Jesus, but you also have to do blank, whatever blank is. And so what we're going to see here is that the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem are going to meet specifically to address this question. Because Paul and Barnabas are going to get back, and they're not going to have none of it. They're going to. I, Paul is me and Paul are going to sit down and have some good conversations when we get to heaven. When I get to heaven, because I think me and him are like he's an in-your-face kind of guy. He's not going. He's not going to mess around. He's not going to beat around the bush or give you no sweet speech. He's going to get right in your face, and he's going to say you're an idiot. And so, if I do that, just think I'm. Uh, he's just being like Paul. No, don't don't do that. Yeah, that's probably not a good idea. Probably not a good idea. Okay, so they said you have to be circumcised after the manner of Moses, or you cannot be saved. Verse fifteen, or verse one, chapter fifteen. It says, when therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. Look, Paul and Barnabas come in like you. No, no, that's not right. That is not, you know, and so you can imagine what's going on there. He says there was no small dispute because there was a big dispute. I mean, it, it blew up. They were probably arguing with each other. They were probably, you know, quoting scriptures. They were probably doing all these things. Paul was saying, no, that's not right. That's not right. All you have, they, they do not have to be circumcised. They do not have to keep the ceremonial law of Moses. That's, that's not correct. After they had this dissension, this dispute, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and 
certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. They said, okay, look, y'all are just sitting there arguing. You just need to go to Jerusalem. You need to go to where the apostles themselves are, the, you know, Peter, John, James. Go to where they are and you get their input, decide the question, and come back and bring us what the truth is. Okay? And so that's what they did. They took off and being brought on their way to the church, Paul and Barnabas, they passed through Phoenicia, uh, which is Phoenicia, and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles that they caused great joy and they caused great joy unto all the brethren. <clears throat> Notice that Paul and Barnabas, when they were traveling, even as they were traveling to decide the question, they were being a witness. They were doing exactly what they were called to do by Christ, being a witness for Christ. And here's it's something that uh, I heard somebody else bring up at one time, but I, I think it has a lot of weight here. Um, they didn't involve these other churches in the controversy. It doesn't say that they were, as they were traveling, they were witnessing, you know, and they, they were telling what had happened in the Gentile, you know, churches, missionary journeys. It, it doesn't say that they said, you know, hey, the Gentiles are being saved. They're coming to Christ and miracles are going on and God's working in them. By the way, have you heard about the, the big thing going on, you know, that the Jews are telling us that we got to be sorry? They didn't involve them in that. They didn't spread they didn't spread the issue. They were on their way to Jerusalem to discuss the issue. But on the way there, they were just given the good news that the Gentiles had come. And the people rejoiced. And they rejoiced because God has always given prophecies in the Old Testament about the nations coming into fellowship with Him. And when the kingdom comes, when God's kingdom arrives and, and it's here, uh, God said the nations would come. And they would be, they would be His you know, be called by his name and they would be in fellowship with him. They would come and be adopted by him. And Paul and Barnabas were saying, it's here. The nation, the Gentiles, we've just come back from Cyprus. We've come back from Pisidian Antioch. We've come back from the churches in Galatia. And, and the Gentiles are being saved. They're coming into the kingdom of God. And so the people were rejoicing like... This is it. I mean, this is what the Old Testament has always pointed to. Or the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom is at hand. The Gentiles are coming in. They were rejoicing. And so they got to Jerusalem. And I'm going to, once we talk right here, we're going to talk about this council, which uh, uh, is probably going to go through at least verse 30. But we, we probably won't get much further than that. So what we're going to do is we're going to see what they decide. And we're going to kind of kind of get through that it's a little confusing sometimes um being brought on their way by the church they passed through we got that verse four and when they come to jerusalem they were received of the church and of the apostles of the elders and they declared all things that god had done with them what did paul and barnabas tell them they told them the gospel they told them the gospel but they're talking to the apostles and the elders they were testifying as to the Gentiles, being the Gentiles being saved, they told them about their missionary journeys. They told them what God was doing. And then, here you see the dissension. Verse, verse 5. But there rose up a certain sect of the Pharisees which believed. Now that's the question. There's a lot of debate about whether these were actual Christians who were part of the Pharisees. You know, we know that Pharisees did believe. Uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. Joseph of Arimathea was a Pharisee. So we know that there were Pharisees that did trust in Christ. But the question is whether they believed, whether they're talking about Christians. What we're seeing here is also the same thing that we see in Galatians chapter 2. Remember in Galatians when... Uh, <coughs> 
Peter was in. This is not the same event. I think that happened earlier. But in Galatians 2, remember when we went to Galatians, uh, went through Galatians, uh, Paul was teaching and they were having fellowship and Peter came and was eating with the Gentiles and all that. And it said certain men from James, which James is the head of the Jerusalem church, certain men from James came. And when Peter realized that the Jews were there with them, he kind of backed off from fellowshipping with uh fellowship with the Gentiles and Paul kind of got in his face saying you know what you are you're, you're not acting according with the gospel and so Paul in Galatians calls these Judaizers he calls them false brethren and so there's a debate about whether these are true Christians or whether these are the false Christians that Paul's talking about but here they're with the apostles they're with the elders they're in this Jerusalem meeting so to speak to discuss yeah, the first business meeting of the church Jerusalem council and they said this is what they said Pharisees which believe saying it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses they were saying the same things that the people that came to Antioch said and the apostles and elders came together for to consider of this matter. They, the apostles and the elders said, uh, you need to give us some time. Y'all get out. Let us talk about this. And so they, they discussed it. Now what we're going to see is we're going to see three speeches. We're only going to look at two of them because one's just a line. But Peter's going to get up and talk. Paul and Barnabas are going to give their testimony again. And then James, who is the leader of the Jerusalem church, is going to get up and make the, make the decision. Okay? It says... Uh, when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know how what a good while ago God made a choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Who's he talking about? What events he talking about right there? When did God choose that by Peter's mouth the Gentiles should hear and believe? Yeah, on, on Cornelius, Cornelius' house. That was when he revealed that all things are clean and, you know, don't call unclean, uh, you know, what's clean. So first, Peter says God initiated that the Gentiles would be saved. It was God. Peter didn't wasn't sitting on the roof going, hey, you know what? I think we ought to let the Gentiles come on in. It was God who came, who came and gave him the vision of the sheep with the animals on it that said, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And then the Holy Spirit told Peter, there's men coming to your door. When they, go, when they get here, you go with them and you preach to Cornelius. So it was God that started this whole deal. And then verse 8, Peter says, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. What's he talking about there? When did Peter see God give the Holy Ghost to the Gentiles? Come on, it's not a trick question. Huh? No, to the Gentiles. When he preached to them at Cornelius' house. That's right. When, at Cornelius' house. Remember? As Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit descended upon them. And so Peter is relating the fact that he has been a witness to God blessing, blessing the Gentiles. And so uh, he's saying here that God judges the heart. He said, God who looks at the hearts... You know, he testified. God himself has testified that the Gentiles can be saved without circumcision, without the law of Moses, without all these things. Because as I was preaching in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and it, he saved them just like he saved us. That's what he says. He says... He says, gave him, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. 
And he put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. You see what he's saying there? He said now there's no, as far as cleanliness, the word purifying there, it has to do with cleanliness. You know, it, 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 the whole point of this is that the Gentiles are unclean before God. And the, the Jewish people are the ones that are clean before God. But here Peter's saying, look, God doesn't make the distinction. He has purified them. He has cleansed them by faith. He has given them the same testimony that he gave us. He, the Holy Spirit descended upon them, upon Cornelius, the same way that he descended upon us at, uh, at Acts chapter 2 of Pentecost. He said, so God has purified them. You, you can't call them unclean anymore. Peter is relating what God told him. Remember what God told him? Don't call unclean what I've made clean. Peter's saying, look, God purified them. He purified their hearts by faith. So we can't go around saying, well, they're unclean unless they become... Because what you're doing is you're going against God. God has testified that they are clean, that they are righteous, that they are part of the kingdom of God because He gave them the Holy Spirit right as I was preaching. I mean, I was in the middle of my sermon and the Holy Spirit interrupted me and saved them. And they, you know, they they spoke in tongues and, and they did all these things and we know that it was them. I made a good case if you were with me that they were actually speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic. But, you know, they did that. So we can't say that God's not doing it. And we don't want to be fighting against God. That's going to be his final point. Uh, verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 10. Peter's going to say, look, man. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God? Don't, why are you testing God? Why are you testing him to put a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear? What's he talking about right there? Yeah. He's saying, look, why are you... In the Old Testament, when they tested God, was uh, usually they were pushing the envelope to see how far they could get before God zapped them. Or they were doubting God's word. They were doubting God's word. And that's what he says they're doing here. He's saying, look, why are you putting God to the test? You've seen... I mean, you've seen that the Gentiles can be saved without this. He says, and now that this has come, the kingdom's here, and the Gentiles are being brought in, you're wanting to put a yoke on these people that you ain't even able to bear, that your fathers hadn't been able to bear. Nobody under creation has been able to make themselves right before God by keeping the laws, by keeping the ceremonies. The writer of Hebrews tells us that by the blood of bulls and goats, there no, no sin is remitted by those things. And so he says, you're wanting to put a, a burden upon them that, that you guys can't even keep, that your fathers can't even keep. And so Peter's telling them, look, I, for one, I've seen it. The Gentiles are, are, have come into the kingdom. Don't have to be circumcised. Don't have to keep the law of Moses. Uh, they have been purified by faith. If they trust in the Messiah, then, then they're in. And then after this, Paul and Barnabas go again and they tell about the miracles and the signs and wonders that uh, God has shown them. Uh, well, let me finish, Peter. Verse 11. But we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is still Peter. We shall be saved even as they. Peter's saying, look, you guys don't even believe that for yourself. But you're wanting to put it on them. He says, we believe that by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that we're saved. And we're, we, believe, we need to believe that that's how they're saved as well. 
So we're not going to be putting laws upon them to remember what the what the dispute was. Unless you're circumcised, unless you keep the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. That's what they said. Peter's saying, no, sir, that's not that's not correct. I've seen it with my own eyes. He testified that God came and, and saved Cornelius. And then after that, Paul and Barnabas, he says, then all the multitude kept silent. There was like a silence, a hush came over the room and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. After Peter's speech, why do you think Paul and Barnabas talked to him about the miracles and signs and wonders? Peter has just given a speech testifying that God has proven that the Gentiles have come in. God testified that the Gentiles could be saved without keeping the law of Moses, without being, you know, sacrifices, circumcision, all those things. Why did Barnabas, who have already given their testimony about Gentiles being saved, why would they come now and testify to the fact that miracles and signs were being done among the Gentiles? Well, since the apostles, they've seen God's, they've seen Jesus' work. And by them giving reference to what you know, they've seen, it shows as from their witness the same thing that the apostles have seen. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that... that we saw the miracles and the signs in Jerusalem, didn't we, when we started Book of Acts? We saw them when Philip went to Samaria. We saw them everywhere God was moving and saving. We saw the miracles and the signs that the apostles were performing. Well, now Paul's saying, look, the same things that you experience here in Jerusalem when you preach the gospel and God saves and God demonstrates that he's God, the Gentiles have been experiencing way over there in Galatia. And so they were testifying that God himself is testifying that the Gentiles can be saved without these things. I got a question with James that they're talking here. Is that Jesus' brother James? Yes, okay. yes. The other James, Apostle James was killed a couple chapters back, remember? Yeah. Okay. And so uh, I think James is going to speak now and then we'll, we'll, uh, we'll slow down just let y'all talk. After that, they held their peace. James answered, saying, this is what James says, Men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon, which is Peter, Simon, hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. He did that at Cornelius' house. To take out of them a people for his name. That's very important. James is basically saying that now the Gentiles are people that are called by God's name. You ever ran into somebody? I, one of my one of my favorite verses. You know, you've heard it a million times. If my people who are called by my name would hum, you know, you know that verse. There's a. I know a lot of people that would say, well, that verse ain't for y'all. That's for the Jews because they're the people called by His name. So really, it's talking about the Jews and their land. Um, no, I'm sorry. James says right here that he has taken the Gentiles and called them according to his name. So everyone who is in Christ, everyone who is part of God's kingdom is those that are called by Jesus' name. G James says that specifically right here. He says, uh, I lost my place. 15? Well, let me read 14 again. Simeon declared, this is James speaking, Simeon declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take out of them, take out of the Gentiles, a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written. He's going to quote the Old Testament here. After this, I will return, will build again the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord who dwells 
who doeth all these things. Known unto, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And so what he said, he says two things. He says, number one, we've seen the testimony that God is calling the people out for his name out of the Gentiles. Number two, the fact that he's calling them out from the Gentiles accords with Scripture. So they're not just making a decision. Get this now. They're not. This is a church business meeting, so to speak. We can say that. But they're not just saying, well, we're going to decide the question. What do they do? They go to the Word. They go to the Bible. And they, James says, look, we've heard the testimony. God is doing a work among the Gentiles. And this work among the Gentiles that he's doing goes in accordance with his word uh, that, that is written in the Old Testament prophets. That he was going to always call a people out of the Gentiles when the kingdom of God came. And so they, they were, he, he says, we've seen it. We know it's from the word. And then he, the decision is he, he lays it before him. Verse uh, 19. Wherefore, my sentence is this. My declaration is this. That we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols, from fornication, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Now the rest of the chapter besides the dispute between Paul and Barnabas is just the letter. They, they, they wrote a letter and it says basically the same thing that James just said. So we won't be reading that. But let me ask you a question. The declaration was that they do not have to keep the law of Moses as far as the ceremony and the festivals and the, all that kind of stuff. They only have to believe in Christ. But it seems like it, they turned right around and said they don't have to do anything but trust in Christ. But they have to abstain from idols and they have to not eat meat from strangled stuff. And Doesn't it seem like he's adding regulations to them after he says we're not going to add any regulations to them? Does anybody have any idea why he would do such a thing? Let me just tell you because I know I... I'm thinking more of a moral law than... Well, it, some of it is. He, he's telling them... There, there's two things he's telling them. He's letting them know you don't have to be Jewish in order to be saved. But you can't continue to be pagans either. See, what, what would happen is in Galatia, in Asia Minor, all those things, you can see it in, uh, you read the letters to the churches of Revelation. What, what happens is there are all these temples to all these different pagan gods. There were, um, there were uh, 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 trade guilds, like if you're an electrician, plumber, uh, of course, it probably wouldn't be an electrician back then, I don't guess. Uh, but if you're a carpenter, whatever you are, well, you know, whatever you are, there was a little, there was a little guild, there was a little uh, a group that you had to belong to, and you would sacrifice to your little god, you know, what the god of woodworking, I don't know, you know, whatever. And so you would sacrifice to your little god. And so what would happen is you would come and you would sacrifice an offering to this god in these pagan temples. Then you would eat that offering, be part of, it was part of like a fellowship meal with this god. And then, stay with me now, it's kind of gross, but then you would, you would have sex with this temple prostitute. And it would be like you having sex with the God. Okay? Oh, I know. Don't. I know. I know. And so what he was saying was you abstain from. You need to stay away from these pagan rituals. You need to stay away. You, can, you don't have to be Jewish. 
But you can't continue to be pagan either. You can't continue to live like they're living over there in, in Corinth and Antioch and all the... You can't continue to be like that. You, 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 have to, you have to follow Christ. You have to follow the moral law of God. You have to abstain from the fornication that goes on. That, that's never okay in the New Testament, ever. You have to abstain. Now, I, I see a contradiction here. It's not really a contradiction, but some people bring it up. Paul said, you know, if somebody puts some meat in front of you, you just eat it. Don't ask if it's an idol or or, or sacrifice to an idol. You just eat it, man. They put they put a big thing of bacon in front of you, Mr. Jewish man. You just chow down and have yourself a ball. What James is talking about here is not just going to the market and buying some meat that may or may not have been eat sacrificed to an idol. That's fine. You, you, whatever. If you don't know no better, you, whatever. He's talking about actually partaking in the fellowship meal of the pagan temple sacrifices. You see what I'm saying? Questions? He's saying you don't have to be Jewish. You can't be pagan either. The second thing that he says is you need to act in love with your Jewish friends, your Jewish people that have fellowship with you. Because you know the Jewish people, they still don't be eating bacon. You know, they still don't eat stuff with the blood in it. You know, they don't they don't eat me, I love some blood sausage. Y'all ever had blood sausage? Oh, it's so good. They're not gonna be eating that. And so what he says is, he says is you need to understand that since Jews and Gentiles now have fellowship with each other through Christ and they're in the same churches, you might want to temper your freedom a little bit just for the love of them. You know, just, to, just to, for their sake. You know, Paul said, you know, I'm going to be all things to all people. If I'm with Jewish people, I'm going to keep the Jewish deal. He said, if I'm with the Gentiles, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the Gentiles. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to restrain my freedom in order to lead someone to Christ or disciple them. Does that make sense? So when it says, why would you not eat? Yes, I'm but sorry. not restrain them to the point, like you're saying, on the pagan rituals that you make it seem like it's okay to do those things. No, no, no. Yeah. We don't want to participate in those, but. We're talking about offending their conscience. Yeah. That's what. Like. Being a stumbling block. Being a stumbling block. Yeah. Being a, that's exactly what. He's saying, he's saying you can't be pagan anymore. And. You don't need to be a stumbling block to your Jewish brethren that are in Christ with you. Okay? He's not saying, oh, you got to be circumcised, you got to. But he's saying, why, why would you not eat something that was strangled? Anybody know? Because that's a murder, I mean, No, no, I'm talking about animal, not a person. I know that, but I mean, still, that's a, that's a murder of some sort. No, you can't murder not, an animal. Yeah, well, it, it doesn't do something to the blood, but it's it's not properly prepared. You can't eat the blood if you're a Jew. And so you got to gut it and bleed it out, you know, you strangle it. Well, that's kind of the, the thing that they were talking about. And it had to do with the pagan sacrifices and the way they did the way they did their deal. But what he's saying is just don't don't eat the blood and then you and your Jewish believers in the same church, y'all can have table fellowship. That was the big thing if you're a Jewish person. It wasn't that uh, oh, you're unclean. It was that if you have table fellowship with someone, more than likely they're going to be eating some hogs. You know what I'm saying? They're going to eat some barbecue. Right. And and you you can't uh, you, you need to be you need to be respectful uh, of them. He wasn't giving them a law. He was saying two things. He was saying, you don't have to be Jewish, but you can't be pagan either. He's saying, 
And you got, it says Moses, verse 27, look, it says, verse 20, 21, excuse me, 20, says, but that we write unto them that they abstain from the pollutions of idols, can't be pagan anymore, from fornication, that's always wrong, but specifically he's talking about the temple worship, and from things strangled and from blood. Those things would make a Jewish person quote unquote unclean and so the reason why they abstain from the blood and from the things strangled verse 21 for because Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day now understand what he's saying he's saying look you got Jewish people in every city you got Jewish people that believe in Christ in every city, and they're going to synagogue still every day, and they have this the Moses's uh, ceremonial law read to them every single day. So you kind of need to be you kind of need to be loving when you you don't just bust in with half a hog into a Jewish man's house and say, "Look, we finna eat," and flop it down on the table. That would be unloving. That would offend their conscience, and you you can't do that. You can't do that. Paul says the same thing to us in Romans chapter fourteen. It says, you are free in Christ to whatever, but if your freedom causes somebody else to sin, then it's sin for you. Does that make sense? Uh, the best the best description, the best way to illustrate this, and this is, uh, people get mad at me on both sides, so I'm, I'm ready, I don't care. Uh, the best way to describe this is going to be alcohol for us. Wine. Let's say wine in particular. You can't show me anywhere in the Bible where it says that I'm not allowed to drink wine. I don't care who you are. You can't show me. But understand, if I bust off in Chili's with a big big bottle of wine on my table and somebody walks in and sees me and it defiles my testimony, bang, it's a sin. You best believe it. You best believe it. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Alcohol has destroyed more families, more lives in this, this culture than anything else. So it's this, is, this right here is my point of view. If you don't like it, tough. Uh, this is, you, can't, you basically cannot drink it without affecting your testimony. You see what I mean? Now, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to tell nobody they're going to hell and all this. You can't do that because it's not there. But understand that you can't throw a rock nowadays and hit somebody that whose life has not been adversely affected by drugs and alcohol. And so, at any time, at any time that I decide to use, we'll call it a, we'll call it a freedom at any time I decide to use that freedom, it becomes, sure enough, 100% sin. I mean, can you imagine? Think about this. Let's, let's just use Donna, for example. Just cause. This would be a good example. I can use anybody. Let's say, let's say Don, they have a teenage daughter. That's, well, I guess a lot of y'all do. But let's say they decide, they decide you know, we're just going to go out and have a good meal and, and drink some wine or whatever and you know, hey, more power to you. If that's, that's your thing, go ahead. Their daughter says, well, mama drinks wine. She's going to heaven. Therefore, I can go drink wine. Mm-hmm. Bang. That becomes Donna's sin. Make no mistake. It's no longer a freedom. It's no longer a choice. It's a sin. If I'm sitting in Chili's and I have me whatever, and one of my youth walks in and says, well, I know Jason's going to heaven. And if Jason can do it and go to heaven, I'm going I'm to knock it out. I'm not going to part. Guess what? Freedom, no freedom. Jason just sinned. 
sinned against God. So that's what we're talking about here. Now, I'm not giving you no law, no regulation. You do, hey, just whatever. All I'm saying is if whatever you do, whatever you do, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, we can go through the list of things that the Bible doesn't really necessarily, you know, as some people thinking you got to have your hair in a bun in order to go to heaven. You know, whatever. I'm just saying whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is that you do, if it is adversely affecting your testimony or if it's causing your brother to stumble, it is a sin, period. The act in and of itself might not be a sin, but the fact that you doing it caused your brother to stumble is a sin. It is a sin. Make sense? Y'all with me? Is there any comments, questions, cries of outrage? I had an argument with a dude in Walmart parking lot. I remember he was a he was a guy telling me about how you know, and he was throwing Bible verses at me about how it's okay to drink alcohol. We can do all all that you want to, you know, and you know. I, I just couldn't get it. I'm like, well, finally, I just had to say, hey, man, if that's what you believe, you go ahead. But don't be talking to me about Jesus because I'm not listening to your devil. I'm not listening to your devil. Drunkardness is a sin for sure. Drunkenness is a sin for sure. Bible says so. I ain't got to worry about that. But, you know, I got a little too deep off into what I wasn't supposed to get into. But you understand what I'm saying? Just take off the alcohol out of the table. We can talk about belly button rings. And, you know, we can talk about whatever you want to. Whatever you want to that the Bible neither specifically condemns or specifically commands. You're free in Christ. If it's not forbidden in Scripture, go ahead. But if you doing it causes your brother to stumble, you need to pull that freedom back and say, I'm not going to use that freedom. That's what Paul said. He said, look, I won't eat meat. I'd rather just eat all vegetables in front of my Jewish friends. If it's going to cause them to stumble, I know that eating pigs is good for you. You know, hey, I love it. Paul would say, I know that it's no problem. It's not a sin. I can do it all day long, every day. And I had some bacon this morning. and It was good. Smell my breath. You know, I... Whatever. I mean, he would he would do that, but he he also said when I'm around those who that offends their conscience, I'm respectful of their conscience and I restrain that freedom. I don't I don't just bust out. I don't try to convince them that that they're stupid for believing what they believe. I don't I don't exercise that freedom to eat meat. If that is going to offend their conscience. And that's what James is telling them here. He's saying, look, you guys don't have to be Jews in order to be Christians. But you can't be pagans either. You can't go worshiping these other temple gods and doing all these temple things. And you need to understand that you are now in the kingdom of God. And there are Jews and there are Gentiles in the kingdom of God. So you need, if y'all are fellowshipping in the same church, in the same place... You you need to you need to be respectful of each other's conscience. You know, if if half of your church is is Jewish and they still hold to those traditional things that they were grown up with, you know, knock yourself out. Flip over to Romans 14. Let me just read it to you. That way, you, you know, I'm I'm not. Uh, I gotta go. I'm already too late. I'm going to read it real quick, then we're going to open the doors. I'm already running late. So then everyone, verse 12, Romans 14. Oh, Romans 14, verse 1. Him that is weak in faith, receive him. The weak in faith is the one who who he's not sure if he can eat meat or not. 
but no, not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things. Another who's weak eateth herbs. He don't eat meat. He just eat herbs. He said, let him that eat, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. And let him, let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth for God has received him. See what he's saying? He's saying, you believe you can't eat meat because that's honoring to God? Knock yourself out. You believe that I can eat whatever I want and it's still honoring to God? Knock yourself out. He says, Who art thou to judge another man's servant to, to his own master? He standeth or fall, yea, he shall be holden, for God is able to make him stand. And then he's talking about the Sabbath. He's saying, One man esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You go on and read the rest of that at your leisure. But what it's talking about, it's not talking about overtly sinful things. It's not talking about, hey, you know what? My conscience says it's okay to go commit adultery. Uh, you're an idiot. Okay? That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about it's talking about things that are neither commanded nor forbidden in Scripture. And so that's what James was doing. He's saying you don't have to be Jewish, but you can't be pagan, and you need to respect each other's conscience. Everybody understand that? Okay. I'm not saying God whether you eat meat or not, you know, God loves you and receives you either way. That's right. Okay. Anything else? Lord, we love you and we thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Be with us during service. And we, we ask that you would touch our hearts and, and, and give us the word that Brother Eddie has, has for us today. We love you in Jesus' name.